Man, I absolutely love that bumper. I love him talking about prayer mattering and why it matters. That's what we're talking about this whole series, right? Is that prayer matters. And, and he says it matters because prayer deepens our intimacy with God. It said that prayer matters because it's hydration for our dry bones. And prayer matters because it's the way that God shapes us to his will. Hey, my name is Chip. I'm the campus pastor at our Lake City campus. Really glad that you're joining us here today on our online campus as we keep going into this series, Prayer Matters. We talked about it last week. We're gonna talk about it in the weeks ahead. And I think it's really important. Like, like we just said, the point of prayer, and we talked about this last week, is that God uses prayer as a means to deepen our intimacy with him and to shape us to his will. I think it's easy when we think about prayer to think that if we pray hard enough, if we pray long enough, then it will make God do what we want. But that's not the point of prayer. Prayer is about us praying and seeking God. And when we do that, him shaping us according to his will. And we talked about that again last week. Now, maybe since then, you've had some time to think. And maybe you've been thinking about this prayer thing and say, wait a minute, if, if God answers prayer, according to his will and not mine, if God answers prayer according to his plan and his purpose, then is there any point in praying? And I think that's a real question. I think that's a, a difficult question. It's a question that if you haven't thought of before, you probably are now, and, and maybe it's something that you've wrestled with for a while. But, but I wanna tell you 100%, yes, we still pray. You know why? Because prayer matters. Prayer matters. Prayer is so important. Prayer is how we connect with God. We grow our relationship with God. And even though we're not gonna get everything that we want when we pray, it doesn't matter that if we really, really wanna pray enough, we're not gonna get everything that we want. But Jesus teaches one thing very clearly. And he teaches very clearly that we shouldn't hesitate to ask. When we pray, even if we're not sure that it's actually gonna happen, we don't hesitate to ask. And you may say, well, hold on, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why should I ask if God's just gonna answer according to his will? So, so to be fully transparent, I don't know that I have an answer that's gonna completely satisfy that for you. But what I do know is that Jesus teaches this very clearly, that we are, as his followers, as his children, called to persevere in prayer, to be persistent in prayer. And this teaching comes right after the teaching we looked at last week. If you were with us, we looked in Luke chapter 11 at the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. They came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what he taught them, this model prayer, has traditionally been come to, come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. And what we saw is that that prayer was never meant to be made into like this rote repetition, this formula that we use to get good favor with God. And I think that's exactly what it's become, right? That's why high school football teams pray before every game. That's why when somebody's going through a hard situation, they may pray that prayer. We think if we say it just like he said to say it, that we'll get this special favor, this bonus uh, from God. But that was not the point of that model prayer. It was to be a template to teach us how to have an ongoing conversation with our Heavenly Father. And a big part of that is learning how to ask and what to do when what we ask for is not what we receive. So we're gonna pick up right where we left off in Luke chapter 11. So if you got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's gonna be up here on the screen. We're gonna read Luke chapter 11. We're gonna pick up right where we left off, starting in verse number five. All right, so here we go. 
it says that he, that he's Jesus, also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it's really interesting that just like the model prayer, this isn't the only time we see Jesus teach on this subject, almost word for word, uh, when his disciples ask about prayer. He does it in Matthew's gospel, except there it's, it's spread apart a little bit further from the model prayer. But here in Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches uh, this uh, idea of prayer, of persistent prayer, right on the heels of the model prayer. And I think because it's so close together that we can see uh, the connections between the two. Just like the model prayer was grounded in relationship and, and ended with asking, so the same thing happens in Jesus' teaching here. What we read is Jesus giving an illustration of a, of a friend who goes to another friend to ask for food, and then he uses that to jump off into how we should uh, treat our prayer life with our Heavenly Father. And I think the key to that whole passage, maybe we read over really quickly, was found there in verse 13. Go, go back to verse 13 because I think we've got to understand this to really understand how Jesus is teaching about prayer. So let's look, Luke 11, verse 13, we read this. It says, if you then who are evil, so Jesus talking to his disciples, he's saying, if you guys who are evil, maybe not like the worst person that you know, but definitely sinful and definitely short of the goodness and perfection of God. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, look at this phrase, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So I think that's the key to us understanding this teaching. This teaching that Jesus gives us, this illustration is not necessarily a teaching of comparison, but it's a teaching of contrast. Jesus is teaching us how we are to pray to the Father and how the Father responds to us in contrast to what an earthly father would do. Think of it this way. Jesus is arguing from the lesser to the greater. He's arguing from the point of view of an earthly father to the point of view of a heavenly father. And that's that illustration that he started off with in verse number five. He gives this idea of a friend who has another friend dropped by unexpectedly in the middle of the night. Turns out his refrigerator, his pantry, everything was empty. He had nothing to feed him. And so this friend goes to his neighbor's house in the middle of the night and bangs on the door and says, hey, could you spare a loaf of bread? 
And his friend who's inside the house, the neighbor, calls out, says, look, man, everybody's asleep. I'm not going to wake up the whole house just to go get you a loaf of bread. And yet the man whose visitor has come and he had nothing to serve stands at the door and continues to knock until finally, because of his boldness, because of his persistence, the, the neighbor opens the door and gives him the bread. See, this is not to be taken again as a comparison. The idea that Jesus is teaching here is not that if you bug God enough, you'll eventually annoy him into giving you what you want. That, that's not the point here. The point here is not, again, comparison, but contrasting. Think of that phrase, how much more? If that neighbor gave in because of the persistent asking of his neighbor, how much more does our heavenly father willingly give us all the good things that we ask for? And besides that, we don't have to go to his house in the middle of the night, bang on the door and ask to be let in. If you have a relationship with Jesus as your savior, you're already a part of that family. You're already in the house. He is your heavenly father. We have a heavenly father who is always generous, always loving, always willing. And I think that's, if we're going to be persistent in our asking, we have to understand, just like the model prayer, that we are asking our father and that he's willing and he wants to answer our prayers. He wants us to ask. I, I love this quote that, that we found this week from a preacher named Philip Brooks. Look at this quote. He says, prayer isn't about overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his highest willingness. Can I tell you, I absolutely love that quote. Because when we pray, we don't have to badger God into submission. We don't have to annoy him until he's like, fine, just go away. Because let's be honest, if you have small kids, you've been there at that point in your life. But no, God's not gonna be annoyed in answering our prayers. We have a God who is willing and open-handed and wants to give us all the good desires of our heart. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter eight, he says, how will God who gave us his one and only son, Jesus, with him not freely give us all things. When God gave his son, Jesus Christ, as the sacrificial substitute for our sin on the cross, he gave us the highest, the best, the most that heaven had to offer. So now when we ask him anything else, why wouldn't he give us that as well? Well, that's why Jesus begins to, or goes further to drive his point home in verse nine. Look at what he says. He says, because of this, right? So I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Once we understand that we don't have to overcome God's reluctance to answer our prayers, but that God is eager and willing to answer our prayers because of his love toward us as our heavenly father, Jesus says, when you understand that, then ask, seek, knock. Now, I think what's key here, but may be unclear, is exactly what Jesus is saying. So to be really honest with you guys, I was terrible at English in high school and in college. That wasn't my favorite subject. I have bad grammar. You may can tell if you've heard me preach once or twice, but I'll admit grammar is important and it's especially important here because these words we see, ask, seek, knock, in the English translation, it seems like a one-time, a one-and-done event, right? Like ask or seek or knock, as in that's something that we've did and now it's over. 
But that's not the idea that Jesus gave when he was speaking. See, in the original language the New Testament was written in, these verbs are in what's the, what is known as the present tense. And that means that it's not a one and done event, but this is a continuous action. So maybe a better way to translate it is like this. Jesus said, so I say to you, keep on asking and it'll be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Now, again, this isn't the idea that God is unwilling and so we have to keep going back to him and annoy him. That's not the idea. It is because God is so willing, we can keep coming and we're not gonna annoy him. We can keep seeking and we're not gonna pester him. We can keep knocking and the door will always be open. This is not a reluctant earthly father. This is a generous heavenly father. But verse 10 is where it's a little tricky, at least for me. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now this is the teaching of Jesus. This is the word of Jesus. But if I'm being incredibly honest, this is not the experience of my life. I have asked and not received. I have sought and not found. I've knocked until my knuckles were bloody and the door remained closed. And I guess that you're probably in that same boat. There's been things in your life that you poured your heart out to God and asked God, God, would you do this? God, would you send me this? God, would you help me this? And the answer didn't come the way you wanted. And so I think it's right here that we have to decide Are we just gonna kind of be glib and cliche with prayer and not really wrestle with this? Or are we gonna take prayer seriously? Are we really gonna believe that prayer matters? And are we going to press into this? Why is what Jesus said in verse 10 not the normal experience of our lives? Why is it that when we ask him for things, sometimes the answer is no? Why is it when we seek after his will, it can be so difficult to find? Why is it that no matter how hard we knock, it seems that some doors in our life just won't open up. Well, the good news is, if you, take the, if you don't take this verse out of context, Jesus explains himself in the very next verses. Look at those. Look at verse 11. Jesus says this, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now, I think that you read that and you say, okay, we're back to the father again. What does this mean? I think here's what this means. Jesus, again, is is arguing from the lesser to the greater. He says that if your child comes to you and says, hey, dad, you know, can can I have, uh, use Jesus's words, a fish for a pet? Can I have a a pet fish in my room? You're not gonna roll back in there with a timber rattler and say, here you go, son, and hand it over. Because as earthly fathers, we love our kids. We care for our kids. And so we are going to do the best we can to answer their request for their highest good. But remember, What did verse 13 say? Verse 13 was very clear. That phrase again, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That phrase again, how much more is so important? Because if we as earthly fathers won't give our kids a snake when they ask for a fish, 
We have a heavenly father who is more loving, more gracious, more wise than we are. And he loves us enough that when we ask for a snake, he still won't give us a snake. See, that's the key here. God answers his prayer according to his will and for our good. And sometimes we don't see things the way he does. So we ask for the wrong things. Think about that for just a minute. Maybe Garth Brooks was right all along. I hate to admit it, but maybe we should spend more time thanking God for unanswered prayers. Think of things that we've prayed for in our life that if God had answered that prayer, how differently our life would turn out. Maybe when you were back in high school and you just prayed to God, God, if you would just let me marry this person, my life would be fantastic. I'd be forever grateful. And then they broke up with you. But later on, you met your spouse in college or as an adult and look at your life now. Maybe you should thank God for an unanswered prayer. And here's the thing. It's hard to get there because we don't know what would have happened if God answered our prayers. We don't know what would have happened if God had given us what we asked instead of saying not now or, or maybe even no. But here's the thing. God does. God sees you. He sees your past, he sees your future, and he knows what's best for you. That's why God answers your prayers according to his will, because he knows best. An illustration that I love to use all the time, because it's kind of funny, but also kind of true, is, uh, you know, imagine, you know, the guy who, who goes to bed praying at night said, God, if you will put a million dollars cash, unmarked bills under my bed tomorrow morning when I wake up, I will believe in you, serve you for the rest of my life and never doubt you again. And so he prays that and he wakes up in the morning and, and the money is not there. Is that because God doesn't love him? Is it because God's not real? Or is it because God's trying to get this guy to grow up in his faith and get over his love of material possessions. See, God sees further than we do. He knows better than we do, and he loves deeper than we do. So that's why God answers his, our prayers according to his will, not because he's reluctant to give us what we ask for, but because he wants to give us more than we know to ask for. And that's so important. I think when I go back and think through that passage of the continually knocking on the neighbor's door, of the keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, I get this picture in my head of, of a kid playing with a toy, right? You've seen kind of kids, they're just old enough to sit up, that they're starting to play with toys and have fun. And there's one toy I think every kid has had, and it's the box that has the different shapes cut out and the blocks are, are, are made up of all of those shapes. And so the kid has the square block in his hand and there's the round hole and he bangs it and he bangs it and he bangs it. And no matter how many times he bangs that square block on that round hole, it's just not gonna fit. But because he keeps on, Eventually he learns and he turns the box over and oh, there's a square and he puts it in. See, I think prayer is so important and, and the reason we, we keep on asking is it is because by our persistence and by our keeping asking, keeping seeking, keeping knocking, that over time we learn and we are shaped according to God's plans and purposes for our life, and we are shaped according to his will. I think we have to get it to the place in our life where we are not afraid to ask. 
We don't hesitate to ask. We make our request known to our heavenly father because we know who he is. We know how much he loves us. We know how much he's already given us by giving his son and we ask. But then if we don't see those prayers answered the way we like, we learn to grow. We learn to trust. We learn to submit to his will instead of trying to break through the door for our own will. See, that's why, let me leave you with this. See, for the Christian, not praying isn't an option. It's just not. I'm not saying that when you pray, you're always gonna get everything you want. Matter of fact, when you pray, you got two options. When you pray, you either get what you want, you see God answer prayer, your faith grows, his name's glorified. You're like, look at what the Lord has done. He has answered my prayer. Or when you pray and it's not answered the way you want, you grow, you learn, your relationship deepens and your faith matures. See, that's a win-win. We either pray according to his will and see it answered, or we keep on praying and over time we're shaped to his will. Either way, it's a win-win. But at the end of the day, not praying isn't an option. And if we're being honest, maybe that's where a lot of you are today. Maybe there's some things in your life that you have stopped praying over because you just think God's never gonna answer it, or at least he's not gonna answer it the way that you want. And I wanna encourage you today, if that's you, don't give up. If that's you, don't throw in the towel. Don't say, well, he's never gonna answer it, so I'm gonna stop. No, keep on. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, because it is that process of going to him that conforms us over time to his will. You know, we talked about the Lord's Prayer, right, last week and how that wasn't the Lord's Prayer. It was a model prayer uh, because Jesus never needed to ask forgiveness of his sins. You know what I think the Lord's Prayer really is? It's not the prayer he taught his disciples. It's the prayer they overheard him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed the same prayer three times when he said, Father, if it's possible... Let this cup, the cross, the torture, the burden of taking on the sin of the world, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. See, I think in that moment in the garden, we see the humanity of Jesus, who was fully God and fully man. We see the humanity of Jesus fully on display. And we see what his prayer was. Father, here's what I ask. But at the end of the day, shape me according to your will. How much different would our prayer life be if that was us? If we wouldn't be afraid to ask, but we were willing to trust the Lord's will. See, I think that's what Jesus is teaching here. And so I wanna encourage you, don't give up. Keep asking, but be willing to trust even when the answer is no. Let me pray for you. Father God, I am thankful for your teaching on prayer that has been passed down for, for 2,000 years to us today. God, I struggle with this. It's so easy for me to throw my hands up in the air and say, well, this isn't gonna be answered, or at least it's not gonna be answered the way that I want. And, and God, sometimes I know that I'm guilty of shortcutting the process that you're trying to use to grow me and to grow my faith. And so God, I pray that you would help me be more persistent in my prayers, not so that I would annoy you and they would be answered, but so that I would learn to trust you and your plan and your purpose and that you would shape me according to your will. And God, I pray that for my friends. God, I pray that, that whatever it is in their life, 
that they feel is beyond prayer, God, that they today would not hesitate to ask, that they would take their needs and their concerns before you as a gracious, willing, and loving father, and that whatever answer comes, yes, no, not yet, whatever answer comes, that you would use that answer and you would use the asking to mold them into the image of Jesus, deepen their faith, and grow their love for you and their trust for you in the process. God, we're gonna thank you for what you're gonna do in our lives, in the life of our church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.